the high energy praise and worship, it's awesome. So we're just glad to be here and share what God's doing in, in our life and what he's doing at, at the Dream Center and to see all of you and just to fellowship with you tonight. So I'm just going to open us up in a prayer real quick. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for the opportunity to be here, to be, um, to be a child of the living God. We thank you for the opportunity that you have given us to serve you. We ask, God, that you move in this service. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here in our hearts and in our lives and in this service. God, we ask for your anointing. I ask that you speak through us, that you anoint the speakers tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we, show, before we start giving our testimonies, I want to show you a video tonight. You got to see a little bit a moment ago about what it looks like at the daily life of the Dream Center. But we also brought a video as well to show you. Right, you guys ready to have church? Okay. If I didn't mention earlier, I'm Forrest, and I work at the Freedom Dream Center. These are all of my friends. There's about 40 of them right now. I don't know if we have them all with us, but uh, we're excited to have church with you, too. So the Freedom Dream Center is a one-year-long discipleship and recovery program for those who are struggling with life-controlling problems, such as addiction to drugs and alcohol. 
But there's something I want to tell you about every single person sitting over there, in here, and in this picture, and in that video. They are not addicts. They are delivered, set free children of a living God. That's what sets our program apart. We're not a rehab. There, it is a school of ministry where for 365 days out of a year, these students are discipled and ministered to and taught the word of God. Because that's the only thing that can change us. The only thing that can renew our minds and set us free is the word of God. So that's what they're fed on a daily basis. And that's what makes our program different. We don't believe you have to struggle with addiction the rest of your life if you have a problem with it. You don't have to struggle the rest of your life. And God wants to set you free. And that's what he's doing at the Freedom Dream Center. So we believe in getting down to the root of the problem that led up to your addiction so Jesus can heal that in you. You don't just have an addiction. You don't just stumble into a bar and end up, well, that happened. I guess I, guess I said that wrong. You don't, just, you don't just become addicted. No one, grows, no one when they're a kid says, I want to grow up and be an addict. It is a problem underneath the surface that leads up to the addiction that Jesus needs to heal in all of us. We didn't enter into our addictions quickly. Recovery is a process that takes time, and that's why it's one year long. So they check in for one entire year, move into the property, and we have currently 40 students. This all started out, the Freedom Dream Center started when Pastor Tony and Chrissy Swillen just had a heart for hurting people and moved two people into their basement. That was over, over 15 years ago, and now we have zero state funding, but God has blessed us in this. We have two men's dorms and one woman's dorm and over 40 students. They are discipled and taught the word of God, but they're also taught how to work. That is, we teach them to go up to the mountain to pray, but you also got to come down and work sometimes. That's part of life isn't all preaching and praying. So we do classes. The daily schedule is classes 7.30 a.m. to noon. And then from noon to 5, the men work. They have opportunity to get their GED while they're in the program. They also have an opportunity to learn a trade. Sometimes we don't learn work ethic whenever we're growing up. And that's something that we need to do. So they have an opportunity to learn different trades. Maybe it's becoming a butcher at Legacy. Now we even have screen printing, like you notice the shirts. If you want to check it out, it's one-way screen printing. Uh, we also have an arena. So I'm not going to waste any of your time. We want to see what God's doing in their life. We want to hear their testimony. So first person we want to come up um, is the Women's Dream Center spokesperson tonight, Elizabeth Cotham. shout if you've been set free. <laughs> Say, I'm set free. Yay. See, what makes the Freedom Dream Center so different than any other recovery program is that every staff member has been set free. Whether it be from cancer, whether it be from addiction, whether it be from broken hearts and homes and all of that, we have been set free and we have a passion. And God says, freely you have been given, freely give. So that authority has been given to us by God. And so we just, we just act on it, respond to it, and, you know, we take initiative, and we just love, we're like a covering over them. You can't get close to them. We will hurt somebody. <laughs> and so um, I just want to tell you a little bit about the people I work with. 
um, objects from the left to the right. And the first one is Kim Bowerman. She is unstoppable. She is an incredible woman. She does all of our administrative work. Um, she uh, comes and we work with women during the day. Um, and she just recently had her sixth brain surgery. We're, we're, really, we're believing that it's going to be her last brain surgery. But she is completely healed and delivered. Next, we have Nafani Swillam. She is the pastor's mother. This woman is a living legend. She is incredible. She is, she, she is what it means. She has a testimony that proves the power of God, that once you get born again and you get into the word, how you can use that word, it becomes alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and it, can change, it has the power to change generations of people's lives. And her life is living proof of that power. The fruit is there. And everyone can see it. So, and then the next woman is Mary Kay Alloway Lean. I, she is the newest member to our team. I absolutely love and adore her. She, we team up on the girls. We'll get one of them and start talking to them, and and then I'll be like, Mary Kay, I think you need to go talk to this one. She'll be on them too. And so, uh, it, it is just God has orchestrated and ordained a team to to bring power to set people free, and I just love that the spirit is alive in our church, that people get born again every Sunday. Our pastor and Miss Christy are incredible. They have direct lines to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and it's just amazing. It's so incredible. These women are the, the strongest women I know, the most courageous women. They have made a decision to make Jesus the Lord of their lives, and they want something different. They want a new life, and they want hope for their future, and they are going to get that in the end because they are about to overcome by the power of the blood and the word of their testimony here in this place today. Can I get an amen? And, of course, you see me. Now, um, I come from a, a very dysfunctional family. By the, I, my bad habits and addiction started when I was about 12, and then at about the age of 16, I turned into a full-blown intravenous meth user. Um, I got married when I was 16, moved out of the house, and just the next 18 years of my life completely spiraled out of control, and, it, and you know, it just left me in a place of hopelessness and desperation and just, you know, just wondering, am I going to live another day? Is there any hope for me? Why am I even here on this earth? And I tell you, God's got a plan for even the, the, the one that is the lowest of lows, the one that is in the deepest pit that feels like it's never going to get out. God can reach down and set you free. And what God did for me is I remember he had a plan because when I was a little girl, I went to vacation Bible school for one year. We get on, my mom, you know, thought we needed to get rid of us. So she sent us to vacation Bible school with some little neighbor kids, and that seed got planted. And when I was at my darkest moment, my darkest day, I, I remember being a little girl and accepting Jesus into my life. And he flooded my mind, and I remembered how much they said he loved me and how he wanted to be Lord of my life and how I'd accepted him. And so I lifted my hands up right where I was at, and I said, Lord, if you can see me down here in this deep, dark pit, I want out. I don't know how I'm ever going to get out of this, but I know that you can set me free. And it wasn't immediately. I had to keep pursuing God and seeking God and just continuing. I don't know, but God placed that desire within me, and I just kept doing it. Amen? And um, it, and it eventually led me to the Freedom Dream Center. And see, 
what the Freedom Dream Center does is it, it gets you out of your addiction and it, and it places you in a place where you're surrounded with the spirit of the Lord. You're surrounded with prayer. You're surrounded with the encouragement of those who speak into your life. They speak good over you. It doesn't matter what you say, what you've done, how you rebel. We, we encourage you. We lift you up because you have made a decision to change your life. And there's nothing that we can do in the Dream Center that we're going to push you down. We're just going to continually lift you up. And so it, it had the ability to change my life because I don't know where I'd be had I not had an opportunity to get out of the way and have peace and be able to be in a place where I can learn the, the word of God. And I began to learn scriptures like Matthew 18, 18. You know, whatever is not permitted on earth is not permitted in heaven. And whatever you permit on the earth is permitted in heaven. So I learned how to cast down those thoughts. I, I began to re, to renew my mind by reading the word. And it, I began to change over time into the creature that he's called me to be. And I just continue I'm just continually developing and changing and transforming into that person. And I just I thank God that there's purpose in my life, that today I have hope and I have an eternity in heaven with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And it's not always easy, but one of these days he's going to wipe every tear from my eyes. All the sorrow, all the pain is going to be gone. And I think every single moment is worth it when I'm fighting. I don't want a relationship other than the relationship with the King of kings. I don't want anything in my life. Like that song said, if it's not what you want to do, God, let it fall away. Let it fall away. And I just love you. I don't want to take any more time. But I want these men and women to get up here. And I want them to share what God's laid upon their hearts and their minds to share. And I just want to thank you for letting me speak. Um, I actually wanted to share something with you before I get off of here. want to ask you guys some questions and I want you guys to get involved here and kind of repeat some things with me if you would okay we're here to minister and I just want you guys to think about maybe maybe you don't you know you don't get a chance to an opportunity while we're in this service but when you go home by the grace of God and the power of God and by the spirit of God I want you guys to think about what makes you extraordinary what makes you extraordinary? Each and every one of us was intricately knitted together in the womb with destiny and purpose in mind. Formed in the image of the almighty God. Designed and created to be extraordinary, supernatural, to hear and to know how special we are from God himself. Not one of you is left out. Not one. Today, I want you guys to say this. Say, I am extraordinary. I am supernatural. And there's no one else like me. Today I have abilities. Today I am capable. And there's nothing I can't do. Nothing can stop me. Today... I live for the King of Kings. He is my strength, my sword, and my power. And in him alone, I 
put my trust. Thank you. actually said that uh, you who put your hands on the plow and turn and look back are not fit for the kingdom of God. And that was basically my problem. Um, I was too worried with what I wanted and not really with what God wanted. And um, a lot of you guys got to see that firsthand. <clears throat> but I grew up in Mount Vernon and I was raised in church. Um, I, I, my mom was, you know, heavily involved in the church and so was I. I was there every Wednesday, every Sunday, um, every day of the week almost. And so I grew up with that foundation. But somewhere along the line, I chose to do what I wanted to do. I chose uh, my way instead of God's way. Uh, in high school, around my freshman year is when I started just smoking weed and partying. Uh, and it came off as a casual thing, you know, going to parties. And it just bonfires, you know, whatever. It came off very casual, um, and that's just the way Satan kind of deceived me. It's very casual, very subtle, and then the next thing you know, uh, you're sitting in a jail cell. And um, so, you know, that happened to me, and, and as, it, as I got older, it progressively got worse. And uh, I was 18, I graduated high school, and I tried to make an escape from this lifestyle that I had chose to live, and I decided to join the Army. And uh, I was doing really good, and uh, my last week there, I had an asthma attack, and they wouldn't let me finish, and I was really depressed about it, I was really upset. Um, so I came back home with no self-control and a lot of money, and I just, that's whenever everything started to spiral out of control. I got involved in a relationship with a girl that um, just took four years of my life from me. Uh, I started just heavily drinking, um, smoking, I was doing prescription pills, um, I was always drinking, and that was the hardest part, because, and that's why I did it a lot of times, because I was trying to match the conviction that I had, because I knew God could do it, I knew my purpose, I knew that I was supposed to be in church, but I, I couldn't do it, I couldn't let go of the ties that I had made in the world. I had, I had made, I had set myself so far that it just seemed impossible to come back. And I also thought that you had to be perfect to come back to Jesus. And that was one of my main downfalls. I thought, I've got to drop, i got to quit smoking, i got to quit hanging out with this girl, i got to quit doing this, i got to quit doing that, and then I can go to church. You know, because nobody's going to accept me for who I am right now, especially what I've what I was raised in, but that's just not the case. You come to Jesus for who you are right now, and he and He slowly starts to take those things away from you, you know? You come to him, the broken mess that you are, and he starts to mend everything back together because he works all things for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So here at the Dream Center, we get some of those scriptures down inside of us, and that's one that I rely on a lot. But... Um, my girlfriend and I, uh, 
she had a miscarriage when I was a couple years uh, back in um, in Texas. Um, I was I I didn't want it to happen. Whenever you know, until whenever she first told me, I was just kind of like, man, like I I knew I wasn't supposed to be with her, and realistic and honestly, I was like, now I'm stuck with her for the rest of my life. You know, I knew that these ch- these decisions that I had made, I was about to have to answer to, you know. And um, so then I just kind of bucked up and I started saving up some money and I started trying to be a dad. And I had no idea how to be a dad, you know. And then four or five months later, now I'm not a dad anymore. <coughs> so it wrecked me for a little bit. And, you know, I used that as an excuse as well to just quit being with her. They just came up here and they just started a church. Um, I think the wife was just giving me a call and just said, "Hey, you know, but it took me years to get there." What we do here at this church center is what they did to me. They took me from Savior to Savior. And so I had to find my way back again. And I had a lot of people praying for me, thank God, because those prayers is what changed me. 
And once I got to the center and what changed me was the love that I had, the love that I felt from other people. And one day, I don't know what it was and I don't know why, but all of a sudden something came up on the inside of me and I was at my friend's house and I just stood up and I said, I can't do this anymore. I started thinking down the road when I'm going to be 30 years old and I'm still going to be doing the same thing and I'm still going to be sad. I'm still going to be depressed. I'm still going to be this same person that is worthless. And I stood up and I grabbed my keys and I called one of my cousins, Thomas, and I checked into the game center. And I don't know why, to be honest with you, looking back on it now, it's just a decision that I never would have made, but God. (coughs) So... I checked into the Dream Center, and uh, it was kind of it was kind of an awkward experience. You have all these guys, some of them that have been in and out of prison, you know, all tatted up, and they're just walking around trying to give you a hug and tell you they love you, <laughs> you know. And I'm like, what are you doing, you know? And but that's what changed me was the love that I felt, you know. That that's how we're supposed to be with one another. And time went on, and it seemed like every month God was showing something about myself that that he needed me to work on. You know, one month it was this, and the next month it was that. And every month that I've been here, it's been a continual growing process. I've never stopped growing. I've never stopped learning. I've continued, and I couldn't be more thankful for it. (laughs) But I want to share something with you guys. Um, While we're here at the Dream Center, very powerful, and I got it, I got it deep down on the inside of me, uh, and I just want to share it with you guys, if that's okay. I'm a student at the Freedom Dream Center, and I have made the decision to abandon my past, to make whatever changes necessary to defeat my addiction. I humbly recognize, and I take full responsibility for where my addiction has led me, but today is a new day. Today, rest... (laughs) Today I surrender all that I am, all that I have to the cause of Christ because his call and purpose is greater than mine. And as a child of the living God, I know that when I am weak, he is strong. As a child of the living God, I know that he is on my side. As a child of the living God, I know that all that the devil has stolen from me will be returned. You see, I'm word-fed and spirit-led, determined to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit with signs and miracles following. My mouth is anointed to preach the good news, and my mind meditates on the word of God and his goodness and mercies that he has for me. I am filled with his love, and I have mountain-moving faith. When I pray to the Father, the devils tremble, for I am no longer that weak, feeble, faithless person that I once was. Generational curses in my family have been broken, and I'm leaving a heritage of faith for my children, my grandchildren, and generations to follow. You see, I'm more than a Freedom Dream Center student. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. Failure is not an option. Quitting is not an option. Letting my family and friends down is not an option. Jesus Christ died for me, so I must live for him. I'm a student at the Freedom Dream Center. guys, this one year that I'm almost done with has changed my life, and I'm more than thankful for it. 
so uh, I just wanted to come here and testify. Amen. All right. Hey, glory to God. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, that's uh, man. I love the dream center. Uh, my name is Stuart. Uh, I'm from Miller, Missouri. Real small town. Uh, <laughs> hey, how you doing? Uh, I grew up in a very Christian-based home, a very faith-based home. Great parents, grandparents, you know. I uh, had a good life growing up. Uh, but I never really, you know, I mean, you know, we went to church every Sunday, every Wednesday, uh, and I never understood why I went to church. You know, I, I went to church because I was told to go to church, you know. Uh, never, I never even tried to develop a relationship with God, you know, because, I mean, uh, I didn't understand any of it. I just did it because I was told to do it. And, uh, you know, as I started getting older, I started, you know, just questioning, you know, why this, why that, you know. You know, when I was, you know, I started, you know, smoking weed, doing whatever at a young age, you know, about 12, uh, you know, and then just, you know, my rap sheet of drug use just, you know, continued to go up and up more and more, uh, harder and harder. Uh, and I was, you know, I was an athlete in high school, you know, but I was really good at putting on a mask. Uh, Real popular in high school, you know, everybody loved to be around me. I was a people person. I loved to talk. Uh, they don't like putting a mic in my hand because I love to talk, <laughs> you know. But, uh, you know, so I got real good at manipulating and lying to people. Uh, my parents, you know, I was the biggest liar to them, you know. Uh, whether they knew I was lying, I'll never know, you know, but they acted like they didn't, you know, so I just kept going on, and, uh, you know, but that's, that's love, you know what I mean, and, uh, you know, so I went off to college, uh, spent about, I don't know, three months in college, and I got kicked out, uh, cost my parents a lot of money, you know, and, uh, just continued to make bad choice after bad choice, you know, costly choices, uh, you know, moved out, uh, got in a relationship, wasn't good relationship, uh, you know, and then before coming to Dream Center for about five years, I'd become a, you know, I was a hardcore meth user, used meth every day, all day long, and, uh, you know, but family was always praying for me, you know, like I've given my testimony a little bit here before and, you know, like Brandon Lynn said, you know, you know, I'm a product of praying grandmas, but I mean, my parents too, man, I mean, they never stopped and, uh, you know, so I'm, you know, uh, you know, one instance, my uncle, he lives down in Alabama, he, uh, he came to me one time and, you know, just asked me, you know, hey, how you doing? And, of course, I don't know what told me to tell him. I was like, dude, I'm, I'm messed up. You know, I was, I was deep in my addiction. I was, 
you know, homeless pretty much, you know, and uh, and he was like, look, man, he's like, you know, there's a teen challenge in Alabama, you know, kind of get you out of this area, you know, go to Alabama, it's a big teen challenge, and um, I just, you know, I didn't want to, but I jumped at it, I was like, yeah, whatever, okay, and uh, so they got everything set up, and once again, I backed out of it. The day before I was supposed to go, you know, to my doctor's visit, I backed out of it. Everybody's wondering where I'm at. Uh, the day I was supposed to leave to go to Alabama, I showed up, strung out at my grandparents' house. My grandpa was herding me around his yard trying to get my truck keys up to me so I didn't run off with them. Uh, I ended up going down to the Teen Challenge in Alabama and uh, was there for about six days, you know, and ran away in the middle of the night, man, I didn't know where I was, you know, but my mind was so screwed up, I was, you know, the devil had confused me so much, you know, that I just ran away, you know, and, uh, you know, like it, it says in Isaiah, you know, how God, he sits there and he's constantly shouting at the people, you know, you know, giving love, giving love, and people are just walking by, just passing them by. That was me. Man, I, the night I ran away from Teen Challenge, I uh, I ran across a field that was, you know, I, I ran in a river, I fell in a river, I had to spend my night in a McDonald's bathroom. You know, whenever people would come out of the, you know, get out of the bathroom, I'd come out of the handicap stall and take off my socks or my shirt or something and wring it out and dry it out in the hand dryer, you know, and in the back of my mind, for real, is, you know, God was saying, he's like, you can literally sneak back into the Teen Challenge place and get back in your bed and go to sleep, but I stayed there in that bathroom till the next day and ended up getting picked up, sent on a bus <coughs> back to Missouri, get back to Missouri, and I mean, nobody knows where I'm at. My family don't even know that I'm in Missouri, uh, you know, so I immediately went back to what I was doing, uh, you know, and then God always has a plan, though. He always does. And after about a couple months from being back, uh, I go to jail for the second time. My dad actually dropped me off at the jail. You know, I had a couple warrants out bounty or something, and he dropped me off, and he said, look, you know, we're going to have to figure something out, you know, and uh, he dropped me off at the jail and, and left me in there, and I'm sitting there calling him, I'm like, yo, you going to come get me out, you going to come get me out, you know, I need to get a lawyer, you, you know, I got charges, <coughs> he's like, yeah, we're trying to get a lawyer, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, how are you trying to get a lawyer when I need to tell the lawyer what my charges are, <laughs> you know, like, I need to be there, don't you think, but, you know, God was working behind the scenes, and him and my uncle and Pastor Tony, you know, they was working everything out with the prosecuting attorney so I could get out and go to the dream center. And, you know, I tell these guys all the time, man, when they finally, you know, you know, got everything arranged and they pulled me out of my cell and they told me where I was going, I said, no. I was like, I would rather be in my cell than go to another place in those uh, recovery programs. But, you know, like I also tell these guys, you know, God knew that I had to be 
court order to the Dream Center at first. Not anymore. Glory to God, I'm not. And uh, But he knew I had to be at first because just like with Teen Challenge, I would have left. I would have left. I know I would have. But he knew that I had it because I, I was court ordered and I still left like the second weekend. Tried to run away. But I came back. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, the first weekend that force was gone, I was ripped off. <laughs> but, but, you know, he knew exactly what I needed. He knew, you know, coming into the program, he knew that I had never, um, I had never experienced him for myself. Um, you know, he, I never felt his presence or none of that, you know. Um, so he knew that I needed to be, you know, and I just, I just love what he did because he knew that I had to be court ordered there to keep me there just long enough for me, for him to straight <laughs> sucker punch me. You know, I mean, he did. <laughs> he did. He sucker punched me hard, and it it put me on my knees crying on my face for four days or something, you know. We, you know, was we was having night prayer at the time. And, man, for like four days or a whole week or something, man, I was on my face crying before the Lord because, you know, I was so thankful I actually felt what I'd been seeing people but never, you know, experiencing myself, you know, and, Like I said, when I, you know, started growing up, I started questioning all these things. And now I know when it says in Romans chapter 9 that you can ask all these questions, but don't. I don't ask them. I don't ask them. God will never re- reveal to us all the mysteries of him. You know, so I'm just so thankful for the Dream Center. Um, I love what it's doing. I love the restoration it's given me um, in my family. Being in the Dream Center, God's blessed me with a kid now. He's about five months old. And, you know, he, you know, aside from God, he's one of the best motivators, I'll tell you what. You know what I mean? He really is. So, thank you, guys. Hi, I'm Lacey Page, and I'm 25 years old. Um, I was born in Plainview, Texas. But whenever I was about five years old, I moved to Washington for about a year. Um, My mom then wanted to move to Springfield, Missouri to be with her biological father. Well, we moved here, and while living here, I was also living in Texas during the summertime with my biological father, who unfortunately abused me. And um, I never really told my mom until a couple years ago, but then she married a guy named Sheridan, who is my dad, my biological father, and he will always be my dad. Um, let's see here. So I went to high school. I started uh, partying whenever I was about 15, started drinking and smoking meth, smoking meth and then smoking weed. And um, I just wanted to fit in. I was a Boy Scout. Um, I just tried to fill this void that I feel like could never be filled. But I still tried and tried and tried and tried, and it never it never happened. Um, I knew God, my family on my biological side, my dad's biological, whatever, on his side of the family. Um, we uh, have family who are pastors, and I would go to um, church with them, and I began a heavenly language whenever I was nine years old, and so I've known God, but I just kind of pushed him to the back burner for my whole life until recently. Um, 
17, I graduated high school, and then about three months later, I started cosmetology school, and that's whenever I was introduced to basketball. And so I started doing basketball and fell away from going to cosmetology school. My parents found out before I found out that I got kicked out. So then I got in a big fight with my dad, and I just left. I left the house, and I said, you know what, you're not the boss of me. I'm leaving. I can do whatever I want. So I left, and um, that's whenever I really started tumbling down the hill. Um, I had pride. I was very prideful. I was very selfish. Um, my parents didn't hear from me for, what, three years, Dad? They didn't hear from me for about three years. I then found the father of both of my kids. Um, he became my God. I tried to fill him, and I would just, I loved him with my whole heart. And I would, I would kill people for him.
wrong with you? I would have already died. I haven't had to pee in at shelters where yeah, you can pee here. They didn't know. They didn't know. My mom said that my dad just ran out the door crying, like bawling. She didn't know what was happening. She didn't know where he was going. He said, I'll be back. I'll be back. And then he just he showed up in 10 minutes. I was in Springfield at John Peters, and he's all the way in Republic. He was there 10 minutes, and he came and got me. I came out around that corner. He just looked at me, and I knew once I got in that truck, it was over. I knew it was over. So I'm sitting here in a battle. I'm in a battle just standing there like, I don't want to get in. I don't want to get in. I want to get high, but I don't want to get high, but I do, but I don't. God, and then God's just like, get in the truck. So I got in the truck, man, and I got in there. <laughs> My dad's just like, are you hungry? I said, why? And he said, well, we're going to go get you something to eat. And then we're talking, we're going down the road, and he's like, so uh, we call this one guy, and we give him four tomatoes and a biscuit. And I'm like, they're like, well, is she on probation? Uh, can't be pregnant, blah, 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 blah. So we go through some pregnancy tests and all this stuff. I'm hoping into God I'm pregnant, hoping into God I'm pregnant. They still would have took me in, but you know what I mean? So I, I'm over there, and uh, he's like, well, when can, you bring, when can I bring her in? And Forrest goes, well, today. You can bring her in today. I'm like, why did I get in this truck, dude? I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. But, man, I am, that's such a lie. That is such a lie. That is a lie straight from the pits of hell. Because if I wouldn't have been here, if I wouldn't have came here, if Pastor Tony and Miss Christy and Carly and all these people weren't here backing me up, if God wasn't backing me up and my family wasn't praying for me, if I didn't have a praying family for me, if I didn't have praying kids who still love me enough, you know what I mean? I would not be standing right here giving you my testimony. I would be dead. I'd be in prison. I'd be still lost in this evil, dark world. And, you know, God gives us a gives us a peace that surpasses all understanding and I feel at peace for once in my life I don't feel like I have to try to get people's approval every day you know I don't have to try and just go on this grind of just trying to find the right thing whenever I've got the right thing standing right above me you know what I mean he God is the number one thing in my life and if I ever see myself falling short away from him I, I check myself. I check myself every morning and every night before I go to bed, and I tell him to check me. I know that there is a God because I got filled in the Holy Spirit on Friday, man, didn't I? I was filled in the Holy Spirit. I was so drunk I had to sit down. I was shaking, and I was trembling, man. Oh, I was feeling it. It was great. But I just, I'm just i so thankful for the Dream Center, and I just love each and every one of you guys. I love you, Dad. I love you, Mary Kay. I love you, Amy. I love all of you guys so much, and I just thank you guys for being able to be here. My name's Tyler Cooper. Uh, before we get started, I'm just going to tell you this is a place that made me seem like a baby, so I'm probably going to cry. Uh, I grew up in a small town, Wongo. Uh, I was born and graduated there. Uh, I lived on a farm my whole life. Uh, had an amazing family, you know. I was, you know, I was in church when I was young, but kind of like Stuart, I wasn't there for the right reasons. I was there chasing girls and nothing to do with God. But uh, as I was, when I got in high school, I started using weed and drinking. And uh, throughout high school, you know, I just got worse and worse and worse. 
when I was an athlete, uh, I played on a lot of different teams and besides our high school teams, but during summers, we was gone a lot, you know, with all kinds of different coaches and kids. So I kind of got out of church then because, you know, we wasn't at home to go to church. And, uh, man, then it just, I mean, I found my identity in that just because, you know, I was the popular kid, you know, everybody wanted to be who I was. And uh, I could never figure that out, you know, because that based just being who I was, and they didn't see who I really was. You know, they, they thought, you know, I was just the athlete that had all the pretty women and the money and all this, but really I didn't have nothing, you know, because I was going down the wrong path. And uh, as soon as I graduated, I was supposed to go to, high, or to uh, college and play sports, but I didn't. I just chose to start working at uh, Paul Muley. I was making pretty good money there as soon as I graduated, and, uh, you know, just with any other addiction, you know, once you have money, the addiction just gets worse, and, man, I just, I, that's all I'd done, I mean, my life was literally consumed by work and drugs, and during work, you know, it was the same way, I was on drugs the whole time I was at work, and I was getting everybody else around me high, and, you know, crazy how much it really does consume your life and then whenever you know whenever you decide you know you're done with it you you have to fill a void that that is bigger than life itself and you know the only person that can do that's God uh and you know when I, after I quit working at uh Mueller's there it, my addiction had got worse and worse and worse and then my, my wallet had to follow it so I had to find a way to make more money so then I started traveling welding, and I traveled all over the United States just building stainless steel tanks, and I was making really good money, so therefore my addiction got really good, because that's all I did was spend my paycheck on, my, on uh, drugs, and man, I, I, I knew I was doing wrong because one of the main other main reasons why I decided to go on the road was because, you know, I wanted to be away from my family, because I didn't want to see them, or see, have, have them see me do what I was doing. One of my good friends once told me, he said, you know, we know when you're not around, you're not being good. And, I mean, that's just hardcore facts right there. I mean, the people you love need you around, and you need the people you, you love around. And, you know, that's one of the greatest things about the Dream Crew. You know, I love each and every one of those guys. And, uh, I mean, it's just amazing what it's done for me since I've been there. Uh, after I quit working on the road, I came back to Springfield, and I was hanging out here for quite a while, just running around in the streets, just having a good time, I thought. And then, you know, I, I, I mean, my life was just completely, completely consumed at this point, like 100% consumed. I didn't, I mean, I didn't even know who I was anymore. I mean, I looked like death, and I pretty much was dead, because I was doing enough heroin each time I'd done it, you know, it, I could have killed me in a lot of times. Decided I was done. I was at one of my buddies' house. I thought he was my buddy. I was at his house, and uh, I just I didn't tell him. I just walked outside and started walking. I called one of my girlfriends. I said, "Hey, you need to come pick me up." She said, "Where are you at?" And I told her I was walking in the street. And it's crazy how God works because he was like three minutes away from me. He lives in Wallingville, where I'm from. And uh, she came pick me up. And at that point right there, it was the first right decision I've ever made in my life. Because at that time, you know, I told her, I said, I want to go home. But then I got to thinking, I was like, no, I can't go home because I don't want my parents and everybody to see me six ways from home. Because, I mean, as much as I was doing, I was going to be sick for quite some time. 
And uh, when I told her that I wanted to go home, I thought I was talking about my home. But now I know I was talking about heaven. And uh, like I said, that was the first right decision I ever made in my life. And after that, you know, I told her that I wanted to go home, but then I said I can't go home. So I had to take the, or had to take me to one of my buddy's houses. And uh, I stayed the night there with him. And then the next day I get up, and he, he knew the situation I was in. He's a very good man. But uh, he does drink. And uh, we were sitting there the morning I got up that morning and he said you want to go to the bar and get something to eat I said you're not drinking but we can go down there and get something to eat and I said sure let's go and I get down there and we're sitting there and I, I mean I had to call the bartender or the bar owner and get permission to go in there because I've been barred from fighting and he I told him what I was doing he said yeah you can come in and get something to eat I said that's it you're not drinking I said I don't want to drink and uh, he said come on and get something to eat so I get down there and like two hours after being down there just kind of sitting down talking to people trying to keep my mind off, you know, drugs, uh, my cousin showed up, and me, and my, this cousin, he's like my brother to me, and uh, he, I mean, as soon as he seen me, he knew that, you know, I wasn't in good shape, and uh, I told him when I got in there, I said, I want you to take me to the woods and chain me to a tree for three days, he's like, what, I, I can't do that, dude, I'm like, dude, I don't got nothing else to do, you might as well take me to the woods and chain me to a tree. He's like, no, man. He's like, there's something else we can do better than that. So I, I just kind of nonchalantly told him, I said, well, call whoever you need to and make that happen. And I kind of went on about my way, you know, there at the bar talking to people. And like an hour hour later, he said, you ready to go? I said, sure, where are we going? He said, my house. I said, all right, I'd probably go in there and stay the night. And after I got in the vehicle, uh, he, when we got on the way to his house, he told me, he said, uh, your mom and dad and grandparents are on the way to my house. So uh, I knew right then I messed up. Because if grandma and granddad comes around, it's really such dire need, you know. And uh, we get out there, you know, and I, we just discuss what was going to happen, whatever. And, you know, that I have another buddy that went to the same program. He graduated. And uh, that next morning, I was just reeking. And uh, my life has changed ever since. I mean, I'm not the same person I was, you know. Uh Proverbs 27, 19 says, as water reflects the face, one's life reflects the heart. And I'm, like I said, I'm not the same person I was. And uh, I thank God every day for it, you know. Uh, I, I, I was all, I, I mean, I wasn't, you know, I didn't have to go to the Dream Center or nothing. So, like, it wasn't hard for me to go because, I mean, I was completely done with it. And I, I was ready to go somewhere, but I didn't know where. But so I was, I was fully into it, you know. I mean, I was down to try anything. So, like, uh, maybe maybe a month after I was going there, you know, first of all, foremost, you know, everybody there showed me love. Like, I've never been showed love. And I had an amazing family that showed me love, but I've never been showed love by a bunch of strangers, you know. And uh, w once, you know, once I really got tied down, you know, and really dug into my word and started, you know, trying to get what everybody else had, because that's the main thing about it, you know, is just they have something you don't and you want it. And uh, I, I, like I said, I finally started getting my word and, you know, praying and doing everything I was supposed to. And we have prayer every Saturday after the Monday night, and now we have every Tuesday night. And one night we was in prayer. Actually, that day, Monday, we was in class, and one of our teachers, Brandon Williams, uh, he was teaching us. And I don't remember what he said, but he said something, and I just jumped up and said, hold on. I said, I, I got to get saved before you go any further. 
so I got saved that morning. And that night, we were in prayer. And there's a, I mean, I've been in prayer, you know, been in my word. But that night, I got lost in prayer. Like, I didn't, I mean, I didn't even know what I was praying. I didn't know what was going on. And uh, I, I stopped praying. I looked up, and nobody else in the camp was there. Everybody else was already gone. I'm like, what in the world's going on? And I, when I got up, I had this weird feeling. And Blake was standing by the door. And uh, I, when I was walking outside and I looked down, I said, dude, I got to get baptized. And I, I don't know what made me say that or what. What I don't even know what was going on, but it was, I told Blake I need to get baptized. So we got a hold of pastor, and he let Brandon William take us to the river. And uh, not only I got baptized that night, seven of my other brothers got baptized that night. So that that was like, you know, one of the first things that really showed me, you know, I, I am where I am, and I'm here for a reason. Um, then, yeah, there's another one. October or November, something like that, in the river. And uh, then, you know, I, I kind of hit a plateau there in the middle, but, you know, I still was loving on God, you know, and just thanking God every day for Pastor Tony and Ridge and Emma and Eugenia and everyone else. And uh, then, like, uh, almost a month ago, uh, one of my buddies I've had for a long time, struggled in addiction with me too and uh I, I literally prayed every every morning every night every day that you know he would be delivered and now he's sitting here with me and that and that's only by the grace of god and answered prayers so that's where i want to go with this message you know just keep praying you know because prayers are answered I love you guys. personal for everyone here to be reading on it, right? And then I hear that Mr. Torres posted it up on the bulletin in his office where just every snow can come in there and be like, hmm, let's see what's wrong with this girl. And anyway, I was like, I got really upset. I'll admit, I got a little, um, felt the betrayal, you know? No, you're great. You're great. It's, it's God's great grace. Okay, felt very betrayed. <laughs> and of course, you know, I'm just keeping it within. I'm like, what? be doing that that's very personal stuff in there and then I start um God just really kind of made me stop for a minute and said you know Beth give it to me and as soon as he said that and it was like plainest words I've ever heard in my life it's like it's mine to give to you and so I gave it to him and I'm going to read that to you guys today so okay <laughs> thank you <laughs> 
to do it like without reading the book. Okay, because it is a hard one. Okay, um, all right. Whenever I was, it all started whenever I was six years old. Um, I was molested by a female, and this went on for three years. It was causing me a lot of pain and guilt, just because of what I was, what was happening to me at that time, not understanding what it was and and just knowing the feeling of what it was causing me. And um, after she grew up pretty much and got married and left and a couple of years later got married um, a 12 year old uh, now a family member molested me and um, again feeling this lost and scared not knowing not or not understanding why this keeps happening to me um, um, I began to seek the Lord and I would go to line prayer to just know him that for a bit and then I had a, had our son after having him our relationship was very toxic very um, emotionally fueled um, at the very end of our relationship I actually um, tried to commit suicide and I was on life support for three days um, just with that alone um, the way my mom explained it the doctor said there was no hope I was gone I had lost a piece of my mom and by God's grace um, he comes out there he's like I don't know how because my mom said she just instantly hit the floor when I was there and asking God to please have mercy on her. And I would just about fly through my lawyer's hands after that when he said um, her her organs are just about gone. So here I am today and I'm out here. <laughs> so after that scare, I was done. Um, I was just wanting to get my life together and just get straight with um, build a good life with Jesus. And then not want to see it end. Um, granted, I grew up in the church. Um, my dad was a deacon, and my mom was a prostitute, so I had all this all this God's love. I knew it. I understood it. But um, four months later, after that tragic thing, um, he committed suicide, and he actually did die. And the night that he died, um, I hadn't seen him since I overdosed, and for some reason, um, I ran into him that night, and he said some things that I wish I could take back to him. carried that pain and that guilt and that shame with me for a while and I became a functional addict with um, pain pills because you know you still got to work <laughs> and still got to pay the bills so um, after a while I met um, someone else in the church and he started preaching to the world you cannot be a um, functional addict on cocaine so that's kind of whenever God was really getting a hold of the situation and I had to make a choice whether I was darkness or break free of that and step into the light and that's whenever I got introduced to Freedom Christian Center which I love <laughs> and whenever I came here I was kind of like what in the world this is like crazy they hold my hands up this is screaming I've never yeah I was raised but I was also Southern Baptist so that just really doesn't happen that much and even my mom did I was like hands down it's embarrassing girl and now I'm probably with a lot of the same you know, so anyway, um, <laughs> right, um, I was here for a month, and then, I was there for a month, and then the 
something come over me, and then I did break free again. I just took off walking very strong-willed on this week, and I I just thought I could do it on my own, and I was going to give it one more try. And, um, yeah, that's when God really revealed a lot of evil out in the world and how bad it could truly get. And so when I came in, I swear it was like when I walked in, God got a hold of me and just started instantly just pouring his fire on me and just breaking those chains. And I just stood there sweating. And, I mean, and then ever since then, I've been filled with so much joy. He's just, he's really, thank you. He's been restoring my life and um, my family's life. And me and my son, um, of course, during those times, I had to break free because I, I couldn't turn it around and my family the way how bad I was. So it's really restoring our relationship all together. But whenever I broke that generational curse, I remember saying this. And as soon as I said it, God gave me a vision. And the vision was of the roots growing and the tree blooming and the fruits sprouting. And then the next week, my cousin came. And let me tell you, within that, that family right there has really, really been coming to faith. Let's just say he's got a lot of work to do in our family, and I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Uh, hi, my name is Colby. I'm 18 years old now. I came to this program uh, June 17th of 2017. I'm 17 years old. I was a very, very bad kid. I did not look anything like this. I was a wee bitty baby. Uh, I was pale as snow. I had hair that hung all the way down to my chin. <laughs> but now I'm completely different. Um, I actually get to be an amazing light to my family. Um, I grew up in a, in a very, very dysfunctional family. My mom and dad were continual extraneous nephews that just used meth every day of their life. Um, there was times when my mom would get big, big wig and like rage, and then my dad would come back and get all get all in it. And so I struggled a lot with depression and not having anybody really wanted me. Except my mom wanted me. So they wanted nothing to do with me. I was a weak. Uh, I thought I took all that burden upon myself. And so even when I looked at normal people in the world, I thought these people hate me. They don't want to live with me. They don't want to hurt me. You know. And so it just turned me into a really bad person. And so I started looking at people like I wanted to hurt them. And so I actually did start hurting people, started getting in fights, and started smoking cigarettes and whipping my cousins. And then my dad actually introduced me to marijuana because I started smoking weed with my father. And then I thought, hey, I'm different than him, so maybe he'll stick around because if he's sitting around in the home smoking weed, he's going to get into fights. So why wouldn't he do it with me? You know, and so, but then quickly after that, he left again, and so I spiraled out of control after that. I just continued to pop in and out of foster care, um, but today I get to praise God because I am actually adopted. I got adopted at the age of 16, and uh, so it was awesome, um, but uh, so um, actually about that, my adoption, I, I didn't really want to be adopted just because I thought that was weird because I'm not So it was hard for me, but, you know, I think that I think of it now that I've seen sober-minded, you know, not smoking weed, smoking meth, trying to hurt people. I just, 
I think of it now, and I'm just very, very thankful that those people actually showed the love of Christ in a much real way to me. You know, they took me in in my weakest, darkest moments. You say, you still love God? Oh, you know, and they helped me through all the stuff that I needed help with. You know, I remember the night that my mom came and picked me up from the police station and and similar like Lacey's, you know, her dad came up and picked me up. I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and my mom was all the way in Oklahoma City, and that's like a two-hour drive, and my mom was there literally like an hour and ten minutes from my house, you know, and she came and just picked me up. Needless that I know, I was just angry and mad and crying, and I was like, I don't want nothing to do with you. I hate you. I hate you. Leave me alone, and I'll let you crawl in a hole and die, and I mean, I can't, and then I came to this program. She bought me this program, and I thought she was just trying to get rid of me. <laughs> But, you know, and then it turns out I call her, like, like two months into the program. And I'm like, hey, can I come home? She's like, yeah, when do you want to come home, you know? And I, the whole time I'm sitting there, I'm just thinking to my mom, like, I can't do this, you know, because, you know, I listened to Christ in the wilderness and all that stuff, you know. And then God got a hold of me because, I mean, I grew up in church, not really, but I went to church occasionally. And then when I got adopted, I really started going to church. Felt really weird. <laughs> kind of threw me through the loop because I was like, man, what is all these people who are running around? Praise God, you know. <laughs> and I was like, ah. I was like, whoa, you know. But uh, it was really, it was really cool because I put on that mask the whole time, and I was just like, yeah, I just really like to do this, and I just blah blah blah, you know. But in this program, I tried to play it for two months, and then I actually got caught in a Harley Swole <laughs> skateboarding down the highway, and. <laughs> And then, I don't know, after that day, just the, just just what CC said to me, because I, I was with the one, I was with this dude named Zach Lockwood, and I was just skateboarding with him, and then he told Zach he couldn't come back, but he let me come back, and I was so confused by that, because every time I got in trouble before, I seemed like the only way I could get away from it was to leave, but CC didn't just push me away, he pulled me in, and then, now look. I get to stand in front of you and tell you all the things that God's done for me, you know, and I get to share with what he's done for me. So, I mean, I'm very thankful. I'm a very thankful person. I like to be happy, though, and not all dark and gloomy, and just, you know, but um, it's just awesome, you know. God is amazing. He does amazing things in everyday life, you know. The little things are what we overlook at times, but what we really need to do is just stop, take a moment, take a deep breath. Look up to God and be like, man, thank you. Thank you that I can even see you. Thank you that I got a bed to sleep in. You know, why why take everything for granted? You know, because it doesn't always last. You never know. You could wake up tomorrow and not want to sleep in. You know, tomorrow's not a promise. So just be thankful and live life to the fullest. Thank you. Okay, so I wasn't really planned. This is the Holy Spirit. It's all it is. Um, I'm Logan. I'm from Oklahoma. And the reason that I am here is because of Colby. Thank you for being an example. Um, when I was very little, I was sexually abused by a man. And she showed me pornography. And I struggled with it for nine years. And I went to church. I had a Holy Spirit-filled family like you wouldn't believe. 
and they prayed and they prayed and prayed. And I remember throughout my life, mom, mom asking me all the time, did anything happen to you? Like, why are you looking at these things? Did anything happen? Anything in your life? And I'm like, no. <laughs> no, what are you talking about? I'm perfectly fine. Nothing happened. Good. Good and golden, you know. And I just, it took me down to a dark place. And I went to pain pills because I was so broken and I was so painful. And I, I wanted that pain to go away. I was so upset that how could someone do this to someone like me? I was happy. I was a good child most of the time, <laughs> being the oldest and everything. Um, and I just, I didn't, didn't understand. Um, I grew up in church. I took on a mask of this happiness. And every time someone saw me, they were like, oh, I'm so happy. I'm glad that you have a smile, you know. And inside, I'm like, but you don't really know. You don't understand. Like, I just put it on, you know. I'm just, hi, hi, how are you? How are you? You know, you good? Yeah. That little thing you do at church, you know. It was dark. And so I used painkillers, and I just dove in. And my mom, when they found out how much I was using, they thought, how, how are you even alive? And I got caught multiple, multiple times throughout the years because of the Holy Spirit. My mom, she's like, I woke up in the morning that night. You know, I had a dream, and you were doing this and this and this. And just me right in the text. And I was caught in that moment. And I've been in and out of rehabs and um, alternative schools and just trying to figure out something to do in therapy and trying to get through the talk. But in my family, we don't talk. We don't have that communication like some people do. And we don't understand each other. We don't know how to talk about feelings. And, and then I figure out that my grandma was sexually abused and my mom was sexually abused by her sisters. And I was sexually abused. And it was this generational curse when I learned, when I got here and I learned about that. And it was just so hard, you know, to live with that and just knowing that it was all just something that happened years and years and years ago, you know. And I was so broken. And I I almost went to Teen Challenge, but there's too much money. And mom was like, we would have to sell the house and live in a hotel. Like, we would have to figure out something, you know. And I'm, I, was, I was okay with going, you know. I was finally okay. And then I met this guy, and then he was a meth abuser, and he was an addict as also, and I just spiraled down, and I just remember yesterday, and I was like, I don't want to be here. I want to be with him. I want to be high. I'm about to move out. I'm about to turn 18. I don't care about you. I was yelling at her, and she said, that is it. I can't do it anymore, but God can, and I was like, what are you talking about, and so that night, I went in my room, and I, I started cutting, because I was just, I was so upset. I'm like, how can my mom not want me right now? I'm so broken. She doesn't even see it, you know, but that's the exact opposite. That's Satan talking to me, you know, and he did. He really did, and so then she said, you're going to Dream Center, and I was like, isn't that what Colby said? She's like, she's like, yeah, it is, and so the, like a few days ago, I went over to Colby's house. He was home for the weekend, and I was talking to him about this place, and I was like, I think it's Dream Center. She, she told me that I was a little weird. I was like, what in the world? <laughs> I was like, what am I getting myself into? And like my mom told me three days before I left, and I finally got to the point where I was okay with it, you know? I was okay with going because it was all the way in Missouri. You know, I'm all the way in Oklahoma. Like, I'm going to finally get away with my family, exactly what I wanted, and 
we just came and gone with them to come find their faith. And actually, the second day I was here, it was a revival weekend the time I came. And I was filled with the Holy Spirit that night. And I was changed ever since. I worship God like no one's ever seen before. And I don't care what people think of me. I am who I am, and I've been through what I've been through, so I can testify. And I'm so thankful that I am not on the side of the road, because I could be if I was not here. And I would be pregnant, and it would not be good for me, or the child, you know. (laughs) And I just think, I thank you, Forrest, and uh, Pastor Tony, and Christy, because just letting me in, just on a spur of a moment, you know. Like, if God can do that, he can just... In the blink of an eye, get you changed just like that. And I'm only two months in, and I got a lot of growing to go, but I'm ready to learn. I'm going to stay teachable, and I'm going to stay telling, testing my, telling my testimony. And this is the first time, so this is all the Holy, Holy Spirit. <laughs> all the Holy Spirit right here. So I thank you for all of you listening, and I hope that this changes your life, that you could be helping someone like me just with a, with a prayer. Just because, like, I just... Help Benjamin. That's all you have to do, really, is just a prayer, and it changes lives like you wouldn't even believe. I've seen many girls in and out, and I wish that they were here, but I know that there's a seed in them, and that they will be changed. And so I thank you. Thank you, God. tell you all enough. I love you guys. I am so proud of you. A lot of those things are not easy to share, but every time you do, you are more free, and you are overcoming the enemy whenever you share your testimony, and I'm proud of you guys. Something that happens whenever you whenever you share that is it is freeing for yourself, but also your story may be the key that unlocks somebody else's prison. Our pastor teaches that the people that are in hell are not the bad people. They're people that we never fulfilled our assignment to reach. The Christians never fulfilled our assignment to reach. That's what our, that's what our pastor teaches. And whenever you share those testimonies, that is a key that can unlock someone else's prison that is relating to you and is going through what you're going through, what you went through right now. If you would like to, if you would like to continue to see what God's doing at the Greeting Center, you can add us on Facebook. Please do follow us on Facebook. Just type in Freedom Dream Center. You'll find us tonight. You can also check out our website, freedomdreamcenter.com. If you'd like to become a supporter, if you'd like to become a partner of us, there, there's multiple ways to do that. But it starts with just checking out our website, checking out our Facebook, contacting us at the office, sending us a message. If you, if you want to get plugged in by teaching a class, we have all volunteer teachers once a, if you want to teach a class once a week, if you'd like to become a supporter and become a financial supporter, you have the opportunity to do that also so that you can speak to any of us after the service. So freedomdreamcenter.com and um, the website is fa- uh, the Facebook is also Freedom Dream Center. And I want to um, share another thing to remind you all that if God does not deliver you from the fire, he's going to walk through it with you. If God doesn't just pluck you out, Right then, and deliver you from the fire. He's going to walk through it with you, and he will be there with you the entire time. There are things that happen in this life that will shake us to our very core. I'm not trying to speak doom and gloom, but, you know, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. 
and, and God is a comforter in our affliction. He doesn't say that, you know, because you're a Christian now, it means slow and severe, you will never have an affliction. It says that he comforts us in our afflictions. And so like I said, there's things that happen in life that will literally shake us to our very core, but if he does not deliver you from the fire instantly, he is going to stay with you through it every moment of the time and through it the whole way. And I have another sto- story I want to tell you um, of a Green Center student um, that was at our program. And this is a, t- a story about a student that, that literally made every single person he came into contact with a happier person. He made our Green Center a better place. He made me a better person. And there's no way, no way we could be around him and hear his laugh and not also laugh as well. And that story is about Jeremy and his mom is with us tonight. And I'm going to read you um, a letter from his mom. As many of you know, my son Jeremy Rains passed away earlier this year on March 11th. Jeremy was full of life and had a one-of-a-kind personality. He had the ability to change the atmosphere in a room with his unique humor. His laugh was infectious. Jeremy was always in a good mood. He had a passion for football, and his favorite team was the Oakland Raiders. Jeremy was in love with his wife, Mamie, and their beautiful children. But as so many people do, Jeremy struggled with addiction. Jeremy started with opiates, painkillers, and muscle relaxers, which eventually led to him to try heroin. Heroin had taken a toll on Jeremy, and he was held in bondage by the drugs. One day, his drug use had pushed him too far, and his family brought him to Freedom Drink Center in Aurora, Missouri. At the Freedom Drink Center, a school of ministry and addiction recovery facility, Jeremy gained his happiness and zeal for life back. Jeremy had discovered a relationship with God that he had never thought was possible. He had even been nicotine-free for multiple months. Jeremy had planned on staying in Aurora and being close to the church and the church family. Jeremy had been clean six months before his addiction crept back up in his life. One weekend on a pass at home with his kids and wife in in Springfield, Jeremy came into contact with someone that was using drugs, and somehow Jeremy decided he would try heroin one more time. Jeremy overdosed and was pronounced dead from a drug overdose that day. He received a phone call this week with lab results of what was in Jeremy's system when he died. Jeremy died from a lethal dose of heroin and fentanyl. The heroin was most likely part of the same batch of heroin and donated around the southwest Missouri area. It was laced with fentanyl. My family and I are heartbroken, but staying strong in our faith with God. This pain would be impossible to go through if we did not have confidence that Jeremy had committed his life to Jesus Christ and is now in heaven looking down and rejoicing because he no longer struggles. As Jeremy's mother, there's one thing I have to do in order to begin healing properly. I have to offer forgiveness to I have to offer forgiveness to the person that sold, gave, or shared the drugs to Jeremy that ultimately cost him his life. I have to extend to you the same kind of grace that God offers all of us, forgiveness of our shame. I do this with the hope of two things, that my pain does not go without having a purpose, and my family and I begin to heal. Secondly, that you, whoever you are, no longer alive as a lost person in darkness, but turn your life over to Jesus Christ to live the rest of your life honoring the commitment that Jeremy made to show others the grace and love that Jesus Christ offers. I forgive you, and I would even extend my hand out for you to contact me and let me lead you to the Lord. If you would allow me that sort of peace to know that Jeremy's death would result in you finding a life worth living for Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's 
power may rest on me. In love, Finley Rich. There is a spiritual war going on in our country. There's a spiritual war going on all around us every single day. And body of Christ, you are the only ones equipped to make a difference in it. The body of Christ is the only ones equipped. And the power of God is the only thing that can set us free and loose the bounds of addiction. That's the only way. We are the only ones equipped, and it's only us who can make a difference and be the hands and feet of Jesus to step out and do something about it. In 2016, over 64,000 people died of a drug overdose in America. That's just our country. 64,000 people died. If we look at the national average, let's just look at the average. It's 43,982 people die a year in America. That's obviously in the truth. But that's 120 people a day. I appreciate you, sir. Thank you. That's 120 people a day and one death every 12 minutes in America. We do not have to accept addiction. The people around us in the world, the world may have accepted addiction. This country may have accepted addiction. But God has a plan and a purpose for every single person right now. He bought them with a price. They are paid for and precious to him. Every single person, it doesn't matter how many times they've been in prison, it doesn't matter how many times they've been to rehab, it doesn't matter how many times they've been on supervision and probation and parole, God has a plan and a purpose for them, and the power of God can set them free. In 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, it says that God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep the minds of the unbelievers, to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Without the veil being torn, the fog being lifted, the blinders being removed from our eyes, we will not understand that there is hope, that there is freedom from addiction. But that's what we are here to do. That's what God has commissioned us to do when he says, go and make disciples. There are people that God has a plan and purpose for that were not dealt a very great hand in life. But we can reach them. The stories you've heard tonight, you should be wholeheartedly convinced that nobody is beyond his reach. There is hope for every single person, no matter what it looks like, no matter who's on their side right now, God can turn it around and change them and set them free. Cindy, would you like to say, would you like to speak tonight? Thank you, Cindy. We love you, Cindy. <laughs> Loving people back to life. That is the job of the Freedom Dream Center. Did you hear how much word is in the inside of them? 
how much word was in every one of those testimonies, that's the only thing that changes this, and that's what makes this program different from a rehab. They are taught the word of God, and it's inside of them. It's, it is inside of them, and that's, that's the only reason they are who they are today, and that God has delivered us, and God has set us free. Um, at this time, we want to offer prayer. The students are going to line up. All the students are going to line up down here across the altar. If you would like prayer, if you want to be born again tonight, if you know anybody that is in addiction right now that you would like prayed for, if you have a problem with addiction and you would like prayed for, please come and let the spirit-filled, delivered prayer warriors know so that we can pray with you.